So today, we have the um, privilege of having Mark McAllister speak uh, here today. He is uh, the Director of Leadership Development in uh, Free Methodist Church. Um, and so, yeah, so we'll have him come up here. Well, he's going to get kind of set up. So just if you have anything you need to grab, coffee, snacks, whatever, just get settled in and Mark's going to get set up here. Morning, everybody. Mark getting set up doesn't take long, but if you need coffee, go ahead, because I'm going to start with the internet people um, and apologize. I don't know how it looked online, if anyone's there. I know when I sat back down, the projector popped. And if I caused you to panic about the state of your computer at home, I apologize. Also, I don't know what the snacks in the nursery are, but I am now very disappointed. <laughs> it's good to be with you uh, here today. As uh, was mentioned, uh, I'm on the national leadership team of the Free Methodist Church in Canada. And we were out yesterday for a regional gathering, and I know some of you uh, showed up for that. And the reason I bring all of that up is just, before we dive into God's Word together, let me just do kind of like this official thing that I'm supposed to do, and then there's like a semi-official thing, and then we'll, uh, we'll get going, all right? Uh, here's the official thing. I want to bring you greetings from Bishop Cliff Fletcher, uh, my colleagues on the National Leadership Team, and uh, the staff at the Ministry Center in Mississauga and other various locations. That's as official as it gets, by the way. And, and it, that sounds like something I'm supposed to say when I, I travel around. It kind of is, but it's kind of also um, genuine. Um, because we meet for prayer uh, every Wednesday as a staff, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but especially during seasons like this where we're traveling around quite a bit, uh, folks will go, so where are you going to be this week? Where are you going to be speaking? And, and things like that. And so I said I was going to be here. And uh, some of you have had contact with some of us, and uh, and so everyone goes, oh, well, make sure you say hi and, and all that kind of stuff. So it is, it is very genuine, and it is very warm, and it is said with a great deal of love. And that brings me to the semi-official part, and that's, um, I know most days uh, you don't worry too much about us at the, at the national, uh, you know, because if things are going good here. We just live our lives and you live yours and we're all good. Uh, but we are there to serve you so that if you ever do need anything, if you have questions, if you need our help, whatever, please, please, please do not hesitate to call. And as I traveled around, uh, you know, uh, from, from church to church, uh, people kind of say the same thing. They kind of go, well, we're up here in the middle of nowhere, and by the way, everywhere is the middle of nowhere. That was not a commentary on your lovely town that I enjoyed driving into this morning. Um, we're out here in the middle of nowhere, and, and no one remembers us and, and that kind of stuff, and um, we do. Uh, we, I said we meet uh, weekly for prayer meetings, and part of what we do there, uh, and it is a, a privilege, we count it a, a privilege and a pleasure to do that. We, we pray for you regularly. And, and you just need to know that. We, we pray for you often. And when I say we pray for you, I, I don't mean we go, and God be with all the churches, amen. You know, we pray for you guys. We pray for Pastor Andrew and his family. 
And uh, it's our, it's our, like I said, it's our privilege and our pleasure to do that. Uh, we consider it an honor to, to serve you and uh, are glad to do at least that, if not more. And if you are a person who prays and you want to return the favor and pray for us, uh, we would sure appreciate it. Uh, we're going through a bit of a time of change on the national leadership team. Um, there's, including the bishop, there's four of us on the national leadership team. And as of uh, June 16th, which wasn't that long ago, uh, and since January, uh, two of those uh, people are new. So we have pretty much a new team. And so uh, we're just kind of getting to know each other and figuring out how to work together and all those sorts of things. So if you could pray that all that goes smoothly, we would, we would sure appreciate it. Thank you. Um, it was wonderful to share those uh, communion moments together and, um, and to recognize what has been done for us um, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, and, and all that that can mean in our lives, including um, that we have the power and the presence of God available now. Like the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and remembering that isn't all about like someday when we die, we get to heaven. Right? Uh, it's about that we, we have God here and now to help us through whatever life throws at us. And as a part of that, to call ourselves Christ followers, there are things that God wants uh, to be evident in our lives as we do life together. Uh, there are things that he, um, he wants to be on display as you do life together as his church. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. It's kind of uh, living on the other side of the cross and, and the reality of all of that. And, and we'll get to that. And if you uh, have your Bibles, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19. And I promise we'll get there. Um, so flip them open and keep a finger there. Or if you're like me, flip it on and, and keep refreshing until I get around to it. Uh, and, and we'll get that together. This has been an interesting season for the church, and I don't mean specifically this church, I just mean that church in general. Um, we have uh, come through a, a, an interesting stretch uh, with, with the pandemic and then, and then coming out of the pandemic and, and new realities and, and all of that. And when you have a job like mine, you get uh, dragged into all kinds of conversations about, well, what's next for the church? What should we be doing to recover? What should we, we be redoing? we be doing to get back on track? What should the church look like for this next season of its life? And those are all good conversations and lots of churches are having them. Lots of churches should be having them. What is God calling us to be and to do for this next chapter? Um, and there's lots to talk about there. But, but in moments like this, when, when I get a chance, um, I try and steer the conversation a little bit. Because to be the kind of church that we're going to need to be moving forward, we need to make sure that we're the kind of people God has called us and created us to be uh, in, as we move into this next chapter. The starting question should be, what kind of people do we need to be for this next chapter of church life? What For this next season, what kind of people does our Father need us to be? Uh, to be bringers of the kingdom, to be bringers of good news. Because if the last couple of years have shown us anything, it's that the church is not a building. Because for long stretches of time in, in long uh, in, in most of this country, people couldn't meet in buildings. But church continued. Um, and church is not a bunch of programs. Because again, for long stretches of time, 
We couldn't run a lot of programs the way we did or at all, but the church continued, or at least it should have. Um, the work of God continued. And that's because church is not a place or a time or a set of programs or meetings or even a service like this, as important as all of those things are. The church is the people of God. You and me, we're the church. So uh, it, that's why I say, in order to figure out what the church needs to be for this next season, we need to start with what kind of people is God calling us to be so that the church can be all that God intends it to be. And part of the reason I want to start there, part of the reason I have started there as I've talked to different churches is, um, well, if we're honest, the uh, church didn't always shine so bright over the last couple of years. And again, I'm not specifically talking about this church. I'm just talking about the people of God in general. Um, and that's not taking sides and that's not placing blame or, or anything like that, but just the people of God weren't always at their best over the last couple of years. And it's still really easy to start a fight because um, there were lots and there were splits and there were hard feelings and relationships got damaged and all of that. People's faith was called into question. If you did this or didn't do this, you, you didn't have enough faith or you weren't a person of faith. If you did this or didn't do this, you people, your love for other people and for God was called into question. And, and you know the stories and you read the headlines and you lived out here where lots of people who were holding church were getting dragged to prison and like you know all of that, right? We weren't always at our best. Um, we didn't love each other well sometimes. So that's why I want to start with this reminder of, of the kind of people God has called us to be. And this isn't everything. We're not going over everything this morning. This is one reminder of, of what our lives are supposed to be marked by, what our lives together are supposed to be marked by. Scripture is full of those sorts of things, right? Um, things that God uh, has for us that he wants us to put on display and to live out, often they're called the one another's of Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, right? As you read through the New Testament, there's love one another, serve one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds, and on and on and on, right? And those sayings, those, uh, the, the things that end in, in that one another type language, that's meant for us as the church. That is to mark our life together. That's the stuff that's to be on display as we live in community together, the one another's of scripture. And so it's worth our time to look at those and say, well, what does God want us to look like? What kind of people is, is he calling us to be? And I understand that, that living this stuff out isn't always easy and it, it takes some thought on our part. It takes sometimes reordering our lives and centering them around the things of God so we can be more who he's called us to be. We need to be intentional about living those things out, but they're there. And God says, this is what I want my people to look like. This is what I want my church to look like. And again, today, we're gonna to talk about one of those one another's that, that we need to live out together. And it's one that gets overlooked a little bit because it's kind of bunched in there with a couple of others. So we're gonna, we're gonna kind of slow down and, and look at one of them. But let me give you a little context for the passage that we're about to read together. Um, Hebrews was a letter that was written to early Christ followers, to the early church, early Christians. And scholars believe that the, um, the letter was written 
uh, as a result of the persecution of Christians that was going on at the time uh, under the Emperor Nero. What was happening is the church was being persecuted and lots of people were saying, this is too hard and this is not worth it and I give up. And they were walking away from the church, they were walking away from each other, they were renouncing their faith, they were renouncing God. Life got tough and people started to walk away. So the author of the letter of Hebrews writes to encourage early Christ followers that life in relationship to Christ is worth pursuing. It is worth hanging on to, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of the difficulties of life, that what we find in our relationship with Christ helps us face even the most difficult times. And, and he does this by reminding his readers that Jesus was more than another prophet. Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior sent to usher in the kingdom of God. And so he, he reminds his, his readers of who Jesus is, and then he takes them to the cross uh, and reminds them that the death and resurrection of Jesus, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all that we can find in there, all that's available to us, forgiveness for sins, um, life in Christ, uh, a personal, ongoing, eternal relationship with God, where he's available to us here and now, not just someday when we die. And so the author of Hebrews encourages all that would call themselves Christ followers to, to hang on to their faith, to hold fast to their beliefs, to live out their faith, even when it's tough. And then the last part of the letter is spent outlining some of what that means, what a God-honoring life looks like, and just reminds them of, of what they need to step into and who they were called and created to be. It's in that context that we find our scripture passages. So Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, since all that was said earlier about who Jesus is and what's available uh, through his death and resurrection for us, since all of that is true, since that's the case, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Since all of that is true, it is worth it to keep living your relationship with God, even in the face of, of the toughest things. So hang on to it, right? Just remaking his case. Verse 24. This is what it looks like, in part. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In these words, as I said, is a, one of the, one another is one of the things that is supposed to mark our life together that is easy to overlook. I mean, we all heard keep meeting together. And over the last couple of years specifically, we have heard that a lot in church world. And that was what one of the fights was about, right? That's what one of the arguments was about. You know, the Bible says keep meeting together. We need to keep meeting together and, and, and back and forth. We've heard that a lot. It wasn't always interpreted well, but we heard it a lot. Because when the author of Hebrews says keep meeting together, don't give up meeting together, 
he is not talking about coming together, sitting in rows, facing the same direction for about an hour or so a week, depending on how long the guest speaker talks. And, and you know, singing some songs and listening to people like me and then going home. That's not what he meant by keep meeting together. Again, you didn't hear me say this isn't important. This is important. But the author of Hebrews was talking about so much more than that when he said, don't give up meeting together. The author was talking about this idea that we were meant to do life together, to be the church together, not just in a service. He was talking about the fact that this is a relationship or it was meant to be a relationship. Here and out there, we are the people of God. And we were meant to live in community as the family of God. Don't give that up. And then, as you spend time together, spur one another on to love and good deeds. And that's, again, if you grew up in church, that one's fairly familiar. People talk about that a lot. Uh, so we're going to leave that one for some other time. At the very end there, he says, encourage one another. And that's the one I kind of want us to hover around for a little bit today. Because notice what it does not say, what the author does not say. He does not say, hey, when you get together, when you're the church together, judge each other or talk down to each other or lecture each other or argue with each other or talk about each other to everyone else or leave each other alone and ignore each other gossip about each other, or anything like that. This is what we need to be doing. Encourage one another. That is to mark our lives together as his people, as the church, as this church. Encourage each other. So I want to dive in a little bit to what that looks like, because in the context of, of this passage of scripture, this idea of encouraging each other is about more than being friendly saying hi to each other when you walk in here. And it's more than just saying nice things to each other, like, oh, nice shoes or whatever, right? And it is certainly not about flattery or empty words that sound nice. So what is it about? What does it mean to encourage each other? If that's who we're supposed to be, if that's what our life together is supposed to look like, what does that mean and what does that look like? To encourage each other means to give courage, to give hope, or to give confidence. Courage and confidence to live the kind of life that God calls us to live. Courage and confidence to pursue God with all that we are and all that we have, even when things get tough. To encourage also means to give support, to help. So this isn't just about cheerleading from the sidelines or saying nice, polite things to each other. To encourage each other is active. It's an active and meaningful investment in each other's lives. Doing life together, walking shoulder to shoulder, helping each other be the people that God has called us to be, helping each other live the kind of lives that are marked by love and good deeds, shared in Jesus' name. That's to mark this community. That's to mark our meeting together, our life together. Encourage each other. Author Leonard Sweet writes that encouragement comes from the French, meaning to put the heart into somebody. It means to restore and renew and refresh each other with our words and our actions. 
So encouragement helps us keep going in our relationship with God. Encouragement reminds us that faithfulness and obedience are worth it. Encouragement doesn't hold our mistakes against us, but helps us learn from them and helps us make things right with other people and with God when we need to. Encouragement holds us accountable. Encouragement helps us grow deeper in our relationship with God. And sometimes encouragement confronts us with the truth in love and with judgment and finger wagging and harsh words, but with the truth that we need to hear so that we don't get off track in our life with God. Encouragement renews and refreshes and restores. So encourage each other. And this word from God, this idea uh, that is to mark our lives together, flies in the face of culture. One study I, I, I heard about uh, by a group called the Gottman Institute, and this is an older study, but it, it found that in most conversations held in our culture today, so at work or at school or wherever, most conversations will balance out, and uh, over the course you will hear uh, six criticisms or negative words for every positive or encouraging word. Six to one. Six criticisms for every word of encouragement. That's the average. That's what most people face every day, everywhere. Now, if you have spent any time in internet comment sections, you know that six to one is pretty low. But in most of our interactions, six to one is the ratio. Think about that for a second. Is it any wonder that some of our workplaces are so toxic? Could this be why so many marriages and families are struggling um, and living in tension? Uh, is it any wonder that schools can be such debilitating, discouraging places? We live in a world that is only uh, too happy to tear us down and point out our flaws and our failings. And back to what I talked about through the last couple of years, could this be why so many churches had tension and splits over the COVID season? Could that be why pastors are quitting in droves? Could that be the reason that in almost every church and beyond church, volunteers aren't stepping up because there's a lack of encouragement and an abundance of criticism? As Christ followers, we are compelled by scripture lie in the face of what is the cultural norm. We are called to be encouragers, not just in this passage, in so many others. Proverbs 11, 25 says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 12, 25, as an anxious heart weighs a man down, but kind words cheer him up. Romans 12, 8 tells us encouragement is a spiritual gift that needs to be practiced, but that all of us as Christ followers are responsible for the work of encouragement. 1 Thessalonians has at least three references to the, this idea of encouraging one another. The book of Titus is full of the idea of encouraging one another. And the third chapter of James, among other passages, remind us that our words carry great power and potential. You have the power to build people up or the power to tear them down with what you say. Every word we speak has the power either to give a little life to people or to destroy a little bit of their spirit and vitality. We have the ability to offer acceptance and love and hope, but we also have the ability to judge and condemn and to wound. But I don't need to tell you that. Because you all have stories. And you all have memories. And some of those are good. And they're of 
words that were spoken at just the right time by just the right person. And they lifted your spirits and they built you up and they kept you going. Some of you have those stories. But all of us also have stories of words that were said that just tore us to shreds. That caused deep wounding and deep hurt. So we know what this is about. Again, the message of scripture, the desire of our Heavenly Father is that we would encourage one another. And the truth about you and the truth about me is that we all need encouragement from time to time. Everyone does at some point. We all go through periods of wondering, do I have what it takes? Do I matter? Does anyone care? Does anyone notice? And imagine the difference it would make if instead of always hearing where they fell short, people heard and they understood that they did matter to us and to God, that they were loved by us and by God, and that there was help to face whatever life was throwing at them, that they weren't on their own. Imagine the difference those types of words and actions would make in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods. So encourage each other, God says. How do we do that? What, what does it look like? Well, first, this needs to be intentional. We need to decide to do this. We need to decide that we're going to live in obedience to our Heavenly Father and that this is going to start to mark our life and our lives together. And that means we need to work on building authentic relationships with one another where we earn the right to speak into people's lives and where our words matter. I will say it again, this, the church was never meant to be a place where people show up, sit in rows, face the same direction, listen to someone talk. It was meant to be community, family, where God's people did life together, where they loved and served each other. So we build those relationships, and as we build those relationships, we look for reasons to encourage. We can get conditioned to look for what's wrong. I mean, that's, I struggle with that. I go to a bunch of different churches uh, throughout the course of a year, and it's very easy for me to sit there and go, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done that differently. I'd let people have the snacks. And you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right? But we can fall into that trap so easily because that's our culture and that's our world. And God says, no, don't do that. Look for reasons. Um, look for what's right and comment on that. And the good news is that doesn't take deep relationship. Like you can start that now. Thank the people who serve. Encourage people who are trying. Try and notice people behind the scenes, the people who care for kids, the people who lead. Notice when someone is doing something right or when they're trying when they're doing a good job and tell them, even if it wasn't perfect, even if you think you could have done better, encourage the people who are stepping up, who are trying. Thank them for what they're doing. Tell them good job, period. Once you earn the right to be heard in their lives, maybe you can say, good job, but next time maybe, serve a good job, period. Encourage one another. And then look for next steps. Deep, as you deepen your relationships, deepen your encouragement. Send cards or notes or texts. Call and check up on people when you know they're having trouble. Be generous with who you are and what you have. Pray for people. Pray with 
and then go deeper. Look for opportunities to be available to mentor or disciple people. Look for people whose lives you can pour into. Walk beside people as they walk towards Jesus. And again, as you earn the right to be heard, then hold each other accountable. Speak truth into each other's lives. Lovingly confront when necessary. And that takes deep relationship in order for it to matter and in order for you to do it away in a way that doesn't feel like you're shaking fingers at people. So I said, earn the right to be heard. It's not when you're ready to tell people where they can do better and how to shape up. Because we're all ready to do that right now. It's when they're ready to take it from you as an act of love and an act of encouragement because they believe you have their best interests at heart. Then you get to do that. So encourage each other. And that's why it goes back to building the kind of relationships that are, are to mark our lives together. Because yes, there are times when we will need to confront each other, not to prove a point or win an argument or play some giant spiritual game of gotcha, but for the purpose of restoring people back on track with God or back on track with each other. This confronting needs to be done in love. It's not finger pointing or judging or writing off or walking away from. It's actually a commitment to walk closer with another person. Dallas Willard wrote, we do not have, we cannot surrender the valid practice of distinguishing and discerning how things are in order to avoid condemning others. We can, however, train ourselves to hold people responsible and discuss their failures with them, even assigning them penalties if we are, for example, in some position over them, without attacking their worth as human beings or marking them as rejects. Encourage one another. And if I could encourage you as uh, the people of God in one area of this encouragement, I would say, look for ways to tap people on the shoulder and invite them to step in to what God has for them. We all have a calling on our lives. We all need to walk beside people and invite them and encourage them as they step fully into what God has for them. That's not just the pastor's job. That's not just the board's job. That's all of us all's job to encourage one another. And we're starting to use that phrase intentionally around the church that's tap people on the shoulder things and, and, and help them notice what God might be calling them into. Um, so part of my story is I didn't think people like me grew up to be pastors. And over lunch, you can all debate whether that's true or not. But um, I just never occurred to me that God had a call in my life until people started tapping me on the shoulder, saying, hey, we think we see something in you. Can we help you pursue that? And so I was given opportunities to lead. I had mentors who poured into my life. Uh, you know, those, those sorts of things, right? People encouraged me as I stepped in and stepped in to this thing that God had for me. And again, all of us have a call of God on our lives. We won't all be pastors. Some of you might be. How are we helping each other? How are we noticing people and helping them step towards what God has for them so that they can be all that God intended them to be? That is to mark our lives together. That kind of sounds a little like discipleship. 
Because discipleship isn't just transferring information to each other so that we can all write an essay or pass the test someday. There is things that we all need to know. But there are ways that we all need to live. And with the encouragement of each other, we step fully into what God has for us. We live that out. Pour our lives into each other. That's discipleship. So encourage one another. And again, that's so much more than making, you know, saying good job. I said start with saying good job, but it moves beyond that. So giving opportunities to lead God. It's helping them see the difference that God can make in them and through them. In some cases, it's working side by side with people so that we can effectively encourage, so that we can put the heart into them, so they can fully step into what God has for them. And like I said, that's an all of us job. Young, old, man, and woman. Been around here forever, been around here for a week. That has a call in our lives, and we're to encourage each other to step forward into that. Besides being intentional and looking for ways to live this out, uh, another part of this encouragement journey is that we will need to uh, have God at work in our hearts to be the kind of encouragers we're called to be. We will need him to give us his heart for people because this encourage each other business, this intentional way of loving and serving so as to lift people up and to point them towards Jesus. Well, the writer of Hebrews doesn't say, Hey, encourage the people you really like. Or encourage the people who will say nice things back to you. Or things like that. Encourage each other. Everyone. Everyone who walks into this church, everyone who, who uh, becomes a part of this body is made in the image of God. And therefore, is worthy of love and respect. And therefore, as God's call in their life, they're a person that God longs to be in relationship with. Our job as a church is to encourage them, all of them, everyone who walks into this church. That is to mark our lives together. That is to mark how we do life together. Encourage one another. And that's why we need God to put his heart for people into us because on our own, we can't do that. We can't. And he has promised to help us. There are very specific things you can pray for and ask God to do in your life so that you can live this out, so that you can be the kind of Christ follower he created you to be, so that you can encourage one another. We need God to, uh, we need to ask God to give us his love for people. Beyond that, we can ask him to keep us humble so that we remember that he's God and we're not, and that we're not better or more deserving of anything than the folks around us, to remind us that we are all recipients of grace. We are asked to be gracious to one another, to encourage one another. And we need to ask God for a servant's orientation uh, in us, to make us like Jesus, who said, I came to serve, not to be served. Those are things we can pray for. But we can't wait till all of that is developed in us. We need to keep praying those things and we need to keep living obediently to God, but we need to start living out this encourage each other peace while we are works in progress. Because we are all works in progress. As Christ followers, 
We need to encourage each other now and soon and often, not someday when we reach some milestone that we think we need to reach. Again, Leonard Sweet writes, a disciple of Jesus has the orientation to life that is one of celebration, not critique, one of oil on wounds, not sticks and stones. God help us encourage each other. So I, I was thinking about like the worst possible response to this sermon. What is the worst way that you could all respond to this? Because I think about stuff like that. So here it is. The worst way that we could all respond to this is that when I'm done and the doors open and we go wherever we go, that we all kind of just find a corner and fold our arms and, and stare at each other and encourage me. No, this is for us to live out. But we need to remember it's not just because God wants something from us. He has this way he wants us to live, but he asks us to do this because he has something for us as well. As we live this out, as we become encouragers, as scripture calls us to, something changes in us. Uh, jealousy and envy and hatred and all those things that can roll around in our hearts and keep us from encouraging each other. Not careful, those can take root and turn into something deep and dark and ugly. And when that happens, we drift towards the world. And we become critical, we become cold, and we become unloving, even if we show up every week. So, living this out and asking God for His help does something for us. Clears all that stuff away. It helps us become more like Jesus. It helps us become more who we were created and called to be. Encourage one another. As we apply this to our lives, we find freedom from all kinds of junk that can take root in our lives. And we will be blessed as God forms us into the type of people He called us and created us to be, even as we are helping each other step into all that God has for us. So church, encourage me. Let's pray. So Father, we've, we've thought about you and about the death and resurrection of your son Jesus and all that that means in our lives. We've opened your word. And we've heard about the kind of people that you want us to be as your followers, as your family, as your children. So we bow before you and we ask that you would help us to be your people. Start with us. Deal with our hearts first. Make us loving towards people the way you are loving towards people. Shrink jealousy and judgment and anything else that would get in the way of, of us living obediently to you. Build in us the humility to love and serve each other. And then help us use our words and our actions to encourage others towards you. Work in us and work through us so that we can be the church you have created and called us to be. We look forward to what you will do. And we will be careful to give you all the honor and glory. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen.